Welcome back. This is the Liberty on Fire podcast. I'm your host, Libertarian Tony, and I'm going to be joined by Conservative Joey. So happy that you're here joining us. If this is your first time, then thank you for being here. If, on the other hand, you are a dedicated and regular listener, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that you come and listen to each and every show. So, Joey, you sent me this article about Whole Foods cutting workers' hours back um, after Amazon introduces the minimum wage. What do you think is going on there? Yeah, it was Amazon has a Whole Foods department, I guess, and they increased the minimum wage, I think, to $15 an hour, and then they had to start cutting hours. And this is a, a classic, you know, argument for against the minimum wage. People like me and you who talk about the the repercussions of, of a policy like that. And one of them is hours would be cut to save money and to save the cost of increasing the labor. So it's just something that we all saw coming and all these minimum wage laws are coming into effect now. And now we, we're seeing hard evidence of exactly the stuff we've been saying, like hours lost, jobs lost, people being cut. So the, the minimum wage, like all government programs, ends up hurting the very people that it's kind of intending to help. Isn't that kind of funny? Yeah, that's one of, exactly one of the reasons that I kind of became a, a right winger in a way is because the, I started noticing all the stuff that they are saying that they're here to help you with ends up hurting those same people. Those are, those are the scariest words in the world. The government says, hey, we're here to help. Anyway, so the, uh, the minimum wage basically says if you're a worker and you can't convince an employer to pay you the mandated minimum, then you can't get a job. I mean, it doesn't hurt the employer anywhere as near as much, uh, especially the big employers, because the, you know, the, the employer can ask their other employees to, you know, be more productive, to do more, you know, the owner can do more if it's a small uh, business. And the employer can also automate, which we have seen. It really hurts the employee the most. I mean, it limits his options, it limits his ability to sell his labor legally. And it prevents him from just attaining those skills that he can use to like add to his resume where he can go out and make more money in the marketplace. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's one of my biggest you know, reasons I'm against minimum wage laws is, is it's harder for kids and, and unskilled people to get their first job in the workforce and get their experience and climb up the ladder. When you start raising the minimum wage, and it's um, it, the people on the left like to like to say that, you know, that right wingers are against minimum wage and and that it's uh, evil. They're supporting evil corporations and they don't care about the people at all. But that's not really our our point. You know, we we think of it more of a civil rights issue that that um, it's about protecting workers' rights from the government, making it illegal to sell your labor at any price at a low price. So if we want to give, I guess, the listeners an example, let's say uh, I have a, a minimum wage job. I want to hire somebody for $10 an hour, and an employee comes to me, asks for this job, but they don't have any basic skills. Maybe they've never had a job before. Uh, they're young or in school, maybe full-time, and this is just some work on the side. Or actually, maybe they've had a bad track record with jobs showing up late. And, well, anyway... Let's say they can only deliver $5 an hour worth of productivity. Then there's really no way I'm going to hire this person. I, I'd be losing 5 bucks an hour on that guy. So I'm thinking that the best jobs program in the world 
would be to just abolish the minimum wage. It, tons of more people would be able to get jobs. Businesses wouldn't have to automate everything like they're doing now. And it, automation isn't cheap. It's pretty expensive. And a high minimum wage just makes it easier for businesses to kind of go down the automation route. And, you know, without a high minimum wage, employers can hire more people instead of buying a robot or a kiosk. And if you kind of just look at the evidence, you know, look at McDonald's and airports where there's kiosks everywhere and there's hardly any people around to kind of help you out. And you go to the airport, especially. I think people would prefer to talk to a person, but kiosks are cheaper when you're faced with this, uh, like ever increasing costs of hiring employees. Yeah, well, that's one of the funny or ironic things about the critics of minimum wage who like to say that, you know, they like to vilify the big capitalists, the big corporations, big businesses because they're underpaying their employees. Well, you enforce a minimum wage on those big corporations. They're the only ones who don't, um, you know, they're the only ones who can actually withstand the minimum wage law and they don't get hurt really at all because they have the capital and the means to invest and the economies of scale, the means to invest in, inside, into stuff like automation and, and just take the hit. And it's mom and pop shops that are really going to be screwed because they can't, you know, compete. Um, they can't just put a bunch of you know, money into, into combating these laws on, on restructuring their business. So it's th those people who go out of business because the only thing they can do to keep their profit margins, you know, in line is to raise the cost of their, their food or something like that, whatever they're, whatever they're selling. And that's their main advantage is that a mom and pop shop can usually sell something that they make, you know, nice and cheap. If you ever go to like a mom and pop breakfast shop, like in a local, well, I don't know if they have those where you are in California. But uh, around where I am, there's there's a few mom and pop restaurants, and you can get you know eggs and bacon and toast or potatoes for like three ninety nine something like that, you know, around there, especially in like more rural areas of America. I mean, that's their main way of of competing with the big companies. But you enforce a minimum wage, all of a sudden that a place like that will go out of business in an instant when when they can't uh, employ at a, a market price. It's it's McDonald's that just raises their prices or, or puts in automation and you know, and just stuff like that. And they're the ones who, who survive it. They don't, like, it's the work and their workers will, are the ones who get screwed because you're going to be, some of them are going to be getting laid off. You know, some of them are going to be, yeah, their hours cut. And the history of minimum wage is interesting and, and racist really in origin in this country. Um, you know about some of the history of minimum wage laws in this country, right? Yeah, sure. And it's, it's interesting how uh, the people who are for a minimum wage never talk about the origin. It has, and it has racism just written all over it, where you've got unions that were lobbying uh, politicians in order to keep business uh, or businesses from hiring groups of people that could provide cheap labor, like the historically like the Chinese and blacks in our country. And it was originally used as a way to create unemployment in these ethnic groups. And so you might be thinking, why would unions support a minimum wage? And union employees don't make the minimum wage, right? They always make some kind of percentage above the minimum. And by supporting a minimum wage, they put in a wage floor for their labor and significantly limit the competition in the labor market, thus guaranteeing themselves work. Right. The first example that I know of of minimum wage law in this country that I've, that I've heard about and researched and read about is in the railroad industry. And it, black people were, were selling their labor 
for a lot cheaper in in the railroads and that's one thing that they had if they had their own cap their own body their own self and their capital was you know um, themselves and their ability to sell their work and just physically work and what they did to get jobs for them and and their uh, their for black brethren is to work on the railroads at a cheaper price than all the white guys. And the people that ran the railroad, now there was racism during this time, sure, but the people who were running the railroad companies, uh, they didn't really care. They were looking to hire people that were willing to work at a cheaper price. Sure, that was good by them. So, I mean, in what it's a funny example of how free market and capitalistic type of uh, places really have a color are colorblind when it comes to racism. So it's something I think I mentioned before. But anyway... The uh, white people didn't like this because they were getting outbid in a way for these jobs. So they they were trying to figure out how they can stop railroads from prohibiting the hiring of black workers. And they were able to do that eventually because they got a contract through their union with the railroads that stated that a minimum wage had to be uh, put in place for all workers. So no matter what, the railroads had to pay minimum wage. And this is sort of their backdoor way of, of stopping employers from hiring black labor. Now, once the railroads had to hire between a white who, who were more skilled at the time versus a black unskilled worker but willing to sell their labor at lower cost, they just hired the white. Because if they're going to have to pay this no matter what, they, they hired the white papers. And maybe at that point, preference and racism sort of took took a little bit of a more factor now. Um, and uh, they successfully stopped black people from, from getting these jobs. It was the, the white labor unions. That's the first example that I know of. So I've got a quick aside on this. Uh, my One of my favorite free market economists, his name is Walter Williams, happens to be a black guy. And he wrote a fantastic book, I think it was in 2012 or something, called Race and Economics. And he details throughout the book uh, a lot of what you said about the labor unions being racist and their only reason for existing early on was to to keep the blacks from getting into jobs that they were taking away from white people. But yeah, I mean, as usual, you know, politicians uh, say the exact opposite of what happens that, you know, they say it's going to help the blacks, it's going to help the poor, and it's going to help low skilled people. And of course, that's a complete lie. And it, it could help maybe a tiny percentage of people who don't get fired, if the minimum wage isn't set too high, like above their productive capacity. But it basically hurts everyone else who's Productive capacity is, is below the minimum wage. And so we're talking like millions of people here. And, and rising prices hurts the poor a hell of a lot more than it hurts a rich person. You know, shouldn't we be, you know, helping poor by uh, helping the poor by keeping prices down and by not artificially raising the minimum wage? And shouldn't we be helping the poor by not pricing them out of the job market? Yes, yeah, those are two really, really good points, in my opinion, because when you have these minimum wage laws, if they were to take effect, they hurt the poor for those two exact reasons they mentioned. And they're big reasons. One is you have rising prices. So how are poor people going to be able to afford higher rising prices? And two, you are pricing them out of the job market. So there have, because generally poor people are people who are, don't have a bunch of, you know, skills that they acquired or experience. And sometimes it's one and the same, you know, experience that you can do certain jobs. So you're, you're pricing them out of the market so they can't even move up and they're, they're kind of stuck in poverty at this point. Now, who are these jobs really for, right? Who, who are these, these low skill, no skill kind of jobs like McDonald's and, and your grocery stores and, and, and whatever, these service jobs, 
who do, who would you say these are jobs for? For me, this is supposed to be your entry-level job so that you can get some experience, put it on your resume, and use it to get your next job. You're not, you're not supposed to be you know, supporting a family on a minimum wage. Yeah, it's, it's not for a 30, 40, or 50-year-old. These are generally jobs for people who don't have skills and uh, predominantly kids, right? Young, young people that are maybe in college, maybe in high school. They used to be even like 14 years old. And what something that it, it teaches them is, you know, what, what, no matter what it is, whether it's you're a, a bag boy or a fry cook, you're, you're teaching them responsibility is probably the biggest thing and punctuality, how to show up on time, how to, how to, you know, just, just be responsible in your job. And, and that'll go a long way after a couple of years that you've shown up and, and you know what you're doing and, and you, you've showed that you're reliable. Uh, that's your next, your next promotion to something a little higher than the bag boy, you know? And then from there you, you can, you can transfer jobs you can uh, do something that quite, it gets you a little more skills. Maybe you stick in that company and you're working your way up to management. But the the very first ring of that ladder is is super important, it, just for the experience and, and showing people that hey, I know how to show up to work reliably. And you're pricing that completely. You're pricing the people who need that completely out of the market. Uh, that would be young people, so they're having a harder time finding a job. Because say say the minimum wage was fifteen you know, uh, dollars an hour. And, um, you, so who are you going to hire a 16 year old kid or like some like 25 year old who, who already has like half a college degree. I mean, you're probably not going to hire the 16 year old because at 16 year old, you're still making, you know, some poor decisions. Maybe you're still having, you have to take off every now and then because you, you party it or something like that. So you're generally not more, you're more responsible of a person at 16 than you are at 25. So you're increasing the age usually of people who are getting low-skilled jobs and you're pricing kids and teens right out of the market. So you, you don't even have these jobs available. I mean, I think that it used to be like you can work at these places at 14 years old, but forget about it. You won't ever find a middle schooler you know, working a part-time job now if they wanted to. Yeah, and I, I do have to say, and I don't, I don't really care how this comes across, that if you're 40 or 50 years old and you're working for, at a minimum wage job, You've made some really bad decisions in your life, if that's kind of like the, the situation you're in. Most likely, yeah, you've made some really bad decisions or you've been irresponsible. And that's the left's biggest argument that I always hear for minimum wage is people can't raise a family on minimum wage. But that's not the people who are supposed to be in here. And that's not the problem of the employer if it ends up being a 40-year-old guy who has no skills. You know, that's, that's a different topic. That topic should be a different question. It should be, you know, why are there so many people at 30 or 40 or 50 who don't have any skills or experience, uh, you know, and can't get anything besides a, a no-skill job? You know, it's a whole different topic. You can't just say, well, they're here, so let's uh, create a law forcing them to be paid more. And I, I do think the politicians play this percentage up a lot, too. I think there's only like a very tiny percentage of the workforce who actually works for the minimum wage. And... I think they only work for the minimum wage for like a really short period of time. And then within like a year, they get promoted and then their wage level is above the minimum anyway. So again, it's like a huge talking point that are on, it's like on the, on the shows and when the politicians have to go out and garner votes. But you can look a little deeper into it, maybe uh, I guess the, the tinfoil hat kind of conspiracy type um, uh, theory behind it would be that 
there are certain politicians who would want to raise the minimum wage, price people out of the job market, and then go and tell those people that, hey, you guys can't get a job because of the Republicans, so we're going to help you out and give you welfare if you vote for us. So it, it makes sense to me that w- one of the best ways to get a high-paying job is start with a low-paying job, get some skills, work your way up the ladder, and let's not eliminate that first low-paying job for people, right? Let's make it easier for businesses to hire people into entry-level positions. Yeah, I imagine that whoever had a job, part-time job, whether no matter what it was, at like 16, 17 years old, if you could compile statistics on where they are now in life, I, I bet you that it'd be a super, super low percentage of those people are, you know, poor and in poverty and um, failing at life. I feel like it would be the opposite. They'd be, those people would be doing very well for themselves, at least have a livable learning, you know, a livable earning. Uh, So yeah, that's, that's our biggest thing is we want it to be very easy and have tons of opportunity for younger people who need to get their first job, no matter what it is, able to get it and not raise the minimum wage so that employers start looking at different factors now, like people who are, they know are more responsible. And uh, so like going for older people, like 25 or something like that and, and paying them. That's that's not what we want. We want to be young kids who can get into the job market if they want, because they might not want to work and um, and start gaining those skills like or something like responsibility and reliability. That's what that's what we're about. So I hate it when leftists trying to make us make the right feel or make the right seem like they're evil and they're bad guys and they don't care about the workers. That's that's the only thing we're caring about when it comes to minimum minimum wage laws. We're, we're the only thing we care about is the young workers who need to get their foot in the door and start becoming more responsible people through uh, getting employed in, a, in this kind of job. We don't want them to lose their jobs. That's right. And, you know, it's funny. I've seen an argument against uh, like raising the minimum wage. Uh, some people use this statement. They say, well, if the $15 an hour minimum wage is good, why not raise it to like $100? And actually, I think that's a perfectly valid argument to get our point across, because if it becomes really obvious at $100 an hour that, you know, you paid someone that type of wage for, like, greeting customers or flipping burgers is ridiculous. You know, the burger joint would have to raise the price of their hamburgers to something like 25 bucks, or who knows what it would be. And, you know, who wants to pay 25 bucks for a hamburger? You know, no one, especially the poor and the middle class, you know, so who can pay that? Just super rich people. And how many people do you think would like be fired overnight if you raised the minimum wage to 100 bucks an hour? But they, you know, the, these same people that want a higher minimum wage, they fail to see that same logic uh, at $15 an hour or, or $12 an hour or whatever it is. That's act- I really like that argument tactic in general for a lot of different scenarios where you just sort of raise your point to the extreme and it ends up forcing them to acknowledge the the fundamental logic of it then that is one of my favorite things is when people are arguing for $15 minimum wage because of uh people need to have their living expenses paid for you just ask them well why not $100 why not 40 why not 35 maybe 30 and they'll tell you they'll either say I don't know they they won't have an answer because they're going to be forced to collapse their own argument when when they talk about why 40 or $50 might be a bad idea because it's the same reasons why the same reasons why it's a bad idea is the same reasons why it's a bad idea at 15 or 16. Yeah, many people just kind of fail to think it through 
when the politicians and the activist groups are out there talking about the $15 minimum wage, but the logic is exactly the same. Have, have you heard this argument? I hear this one sometimes, and I think it's always funny. As a, a, a lefty or whatever you want to call these minimum wage advocates uh, people, they say that um, it actually benefits companies and businesses uh, because the workers will be more productive and lower the turnover. So that's you know one reason why we should install a minimum wage, because it actually benefits the uh, actual companies. Have you ever heard that one? I haven't heard that one. That's that just sounds ridiculous on the face of it. Yeah, I think it's a, one of the stupidest things I can hear because it's like, yeah, the business owner who pours their entire you know livelihood into running their business at the most like efficient possible way they can. They just simply haven't figured it out that uh, raising the wage will actually be a net positive for them. But they need they need the government to 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 tell them that. You know, it's a, the lefties figure it out, but not the business owner. You know, they, that if that was true, then there wouldn't be need to be a law. It's just like the the Bureau of Labor Statistics can just fax from a memo, you know, pointing out that hey, look, the companies who increased their wage they actually had a positive result over time. You know, if it was something beneficial to a business owner, you definitely wouldn't need to put a gun to their head, you know, and enforce them. I, I wonder if they had the cause and effect backwards, that because employees got more productive over time because they got better at their job, then their wages went up, right? So if if the Bureau of Labor Statistics wants to read it the opposite way and try to force businesses to raise the wage before the employees get the skills, then you're really, you know, you're kind of shooting the business owner in the foot. I don't know. Maybe they did get the opposite. I always thought it was ridiculous when I hear, hear that, but I've heard it a few times in minimum wage all debates. It's like they're just kind of pulling it out of their, their butt. I don't really know where they get that from. And But like I said, obviously it isn't true. If it was true, like you're you're really telling us, you're telling the business owner that it would actually help them. They just haven't figured it out yet. No, that's one of the stupidest things. Yeah, and it's coming from a bunch of bureaucrats who, you know, they, their very existence is off of stealing money from taxpayers. They've never had a, a real job, and they've never been an entrepreneur. Yeah, there was a. I was listening to Ben Shapiro once talk about this uh, minimum wage, and he had a, a a good quote, and he said it a million miles per hour. But so that's what kind of made it funny to me. But his quote was, "If you raise the minimum wage, it's going to raise rents. When it's going to ra- when you raise the rents, you're going to have to build affordable housing. When you have to build affordable housing, you're going to have to tax people to build affordable housing. When you have to tax people on the affordable housing, people move out of the city, and you have to tax the people who remain in the city. And that's how you hollow out the economy of a major metropolitan area in the United States." And uh, I thought that was a really good quote for Ben and pretty fascinating because he said it like a million miles per hour and probably off the top of his head. But uh, that's that's exactly right. Yeah, he does tend to talk pretty fast. Okay, Joey, do you think you can do a summary for us, for our listeners? Yeah, a summary on why we're against minimum wage. Not because we're evil and not because we're bad people. It's because it's harder for kids and unskilled young people to get their first job, which is the building block of their work work experience and move up the ladder. I think that's the biggest reason why we're against it. Also, the minimum wage will result in people getting cut from their job. It will result for people getting cut and their hours being lost. As we now are seeing across the country in every place that minimum wage is being implemented, uh, case in point, the one we, we mentioned in Amazon in their Whole Foods place. And prices will go up by a lot. And if you haven't noticed when you go to McDonald's that there really isn't much of a dollar menu anymore and a Big Mac combo is like seven, eight bucks now, yeah, it's already happening. I mean, prices are skyrocketing. It's like going to McDonald's now to order a combo is like going out to eat like at a, at a bigger restaurant nowadays. 
So um, prices go up, people get cut, hours go down, and harder for kids and unskilled people to get their first job. That's the summary for me anyway. I'll, I'll throw in a, a principled uh, libertarian argument in there too, being that government has no business getting involved in a contract between two people. You know, so you have the employer and the employee, and they voluntarily can come together and decide on what an appropriate wage should be, and nobody needs to tell them otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Well, that will do it for today. Thank you all for listening to the Liberty on Fire podcast. Please do me two favors. Number one is to share the show. Remember that we want to continue to advance the message of individual liberty and sharing and growing the show is one of the best ways to do that. The second favor is to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. A five-star rating is much appreciated. Also, please check out our website, libertyonfire.org. Thank you very much. And until next time, let's keep those fires of liberty burning bright. Yeah.